Amen. Well, hi there, everyone. Uh, you can't say hi to me in a way that I can hear, but I think uh, Chris is going to stand behind and monitor your uh, comments and things like that on Facebook Live. Happy Easter to everybody. Uh, I hope you're having a good time wherever you are in whatever various stages of quarantine or lockdown that you, uh, you, you might be in right now. Um, I just pray that uh, you may be experiencing God's presence, hearing his voice, um, and enjoying this time as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection today. So I'm just going to talk uh, to you for a few minutes, and I also wanted to say a special welcome to anyone who's joining on the Facebook Live who doesn't normally come to uh, the, the Hope meetings on a Sunday or, um, or on any other days that we do them. Uh, you're particularly welcome, and do please throw up any, any comments, and we can take a look at them afterwards if we're not, not able to reply to them straight away. So today's Easter Sunday, and it's our tradition, the Christian tradition, is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and this is part of a, a week long of, of um, remembrances of Christian celebrations. It's the most important week in the Christian calendar. It's Holy Week, and we're at the culmination of Holy Week today on Easter Sunday. And so I thought it would be uh, apt to talk or, or raise some thoughts or considerations about the resurrection and what that actually means for us. And also what it can mean for us at a time when we're not able to be perhaps as activist or as active as we might normally like to be. And I think that one of the things that can happen for us in the, in the Christian uh, West is we, we can very much think, uh, we can equate our belief in Jesus and our belief in the gospel with you know, doing all kinds of good works or charitable acts or church activities or all these sorts of things. And we're in this uh, unusual season, this un- unusual period of time where we're not able to do a lot of those things because we're kind of grounded in, in a form of house arrest. And my, my opening thought around that is really about the Apostle Paul and how, you know, he spent a lot of his time traveling the world, uh, planting churches, doing miracles, uh, preaching the gospel, and seeing inc- these incredible things happen. And I bet that when he was doing those things, he thought, this is it. This is what my life's all about. This is what I've been called for, uh, doing all these, these incredible things and being on this incredible adventure with Jesus. But then there were these times in Paul's life where he wasn't able to do that because he'd got caught by the Romans and he was put under house arrest. And he spent a cumulative total of probably several years of his life under house arrest. And if you can imagine... The Apostle Paul, for someone who's so active, he's always working, he's always ministering. He's, he says, I struggle with the energy of God that so powerfully works within me. He, his whole lifestyle was one where he was seeing all these amazing things happen all the time, and, and he just never slowed down. And he found himself grounded a few times where he couldn't do anything. He, in, in the most extreme cases, he was even in chains and wasn't even able to move more than just a few feet. And what does the activist Paul do, the Apostle Paul, when he's in such a situation? Well, I think he kind of looked around and he thought to himself, well, I'm I'm here twiddling my thumbs, you know, I've talked the ear off of the jailer, you know, I've talked to him about Jesus and, you know, he's, he's, he's sick of hearing me talk, what else can I do? And it was in those times that the Apostle Paul wrote the New Testament. In actual fact, he dictated the letters that he sent to the churches that he had, uh, he had planted and I bet at that time, when Paul was writing those letters, he never realized that he was building his greatest legacy. That through those letters that he wrote, he would disciple every Christian believer for the next 2,000 years, would be discipled by the letters of Paul. 
But for him, he was just trying to find something to do, trying to keep himself occupied while he was under house arrest, while he was under a kind of lockdown. And I, I find that so encouraging because it speaks to me of how when all of our, all of our plans, all of our grand ideas about the things we want to do in life and, and the things we want to accomplish for God or we, or we want to see happen or the future that we want to build, when all of that gets taken away or it all gets put on hold or on pause, what, what are we left with? And, and actually, it was in that very time that the Apostle Paul uh, carried out and laid down his greatest legacy. And in fact, if you go and look at the churches that he's, he's planted, and you know, uh, my wife Grace and I, we've taken missions trips to some of the places in, uh, in, uh, in the Near East where Paul planted churches. If you go there now, the, the, the history and the legacy of those churches, there's not much left actually of those churches that, that the Apostle Paul actually planted. But the letters that he wrote continue to disciple every, every believer in, in every, every nation, in every age, and goes on to, he goes on to disciple through those words, along with the other apostles as well. And I bet he didn't know he was doing that when he was writing those letters. I think he just thought, let me try and kill some time with something that might be useful. What can I do to occupy myself that might be useful? And so I, I want to open by just encouraging you. I, I don't know what situation, situation you're in. Probably all kinds of different situations are represented on this Facebook Live broadcast right now. But whatever situation you're in, whatever restrictions you may find yourself under, and however, however easy or however difficult you may be finding that to be, it might just be that God is sowing in your heart and in your life right now the seeds of your greatest legacy. That the thing through which you, uh, God is going to change the world, is going to uh, minister to people, or, or I don't know what it's going to be, the thing for which you were born might be germinating in your life in this very moment, uh, in this very season, while we're under lockdown. So I want to just say, take heart, be encouraged. You never know what God's going to do, and that he, he's able to take these times that we think are, are, are an interruption, and he's able to take them and turn them into our, our greatest uh, glory and our, our greatest victory. And this is really very much connected to the resurrection of Jesus. And um, as I was preparing for this, I, I thought of a few conversations I've had, uh, some recently and some over the years, with different people about the resurrection. And one took me back to when I was, uh, when I was an undergraduate. I actually studied for two years. I studied, uh, as part of my undergraduate degree, uh, the history and the culture of Tibet and Tibetan Buddhism, and there were lots of uh, crazy and fun discussions I had with uh, with different people. We had like uh, people who were recognised as reincarnate Buddhist monks and all these kind of things who were there. I remember one time being in a bar with uh, a guy who was a, uh, a Buddhist mystic and his PhD supervisor, who was the professor of Buddhology at the University of Bristol. Professor of Buddhology is kind of a good title, isn't it? He happened to be a Catholic, actually. And I remember walking into this discussion between these two guys. They were both a little bit tipsy as well, having had something to drink. And this, uh, these two friends of mine, the, the one, his, his name was George. He was, he was this, this Greek guy who was a Buddhist mystic. And he was, saying, he was saying to this other guy called Paul, he said, Paul, I don't understand this thing about the resurrection. It can't be, it can't be real because people don't rise from the dead. And there was this other friend of mine, Paul, this professor, and he said to him, but George, you don't understand, that's the whole point. If people just rose from the dead normally, then there would be nothing special about the resurrection of Jesus. It's because it's an impossible thing, that's what makes it significant. And it, there was this, this Buddhist mystic friend of mine, and he, he couldn't understand this idea 
uh, about Jesus rising from the dead. He couldn't get his head around it because for him it was an impossible thing. It's like nobody can rise from the dead. So how can you believe that somebody did? And it's like, well, nobody can until somebody does, you know. <laughs> that, that was the issue. And so it was this very bizarre, quite, quite fun, lively discussion I walked into. It was, it was something that stuck with me, you know, that conversation. And another one was from a few weeks ago, I was talking to a Muslim friend of mine, and he was saying to me, well, you know, in, in the Quran, uh, Jesus doesn't die. You know, Jesus, he, he, he just gets taken away to heaven, and God creates a, a, an image of Jesus, and, and it's this image, this kind of facsimile that dies on the cross, that uh, Jesus doesn't actually die, he just gets transported to heaven. And, uh, and I said to him, well, but, but this is the whole point of the, the, the whole point of the, the life of Jesus, the significance of Jesus. It disappears altogether if he doesn't die on, on the cross. And, and I, I thought in these two discussions, you know, I had my Buddhist friend on the one hand who couldn't handle the idea of Jesus rising from the dead. I had my Muslim friend on the other hand couldn't handle the idea of Jesus uh, dying on the cross. And it was interesting kind of con- contrasting these two because I guess for the first one, it was this idea that, well, people don't rise from the dead. It's an impossible thing. So we just, you know, it, ca- it, can't, be, it can't be real because we know when people die, they stay dead. And for my Muslim friend, it was this idea of, yeah, but, but if Jesus dies, then it's all a failure. You know, that, that God's pro- if God's prophet dies, then surely that must mean God is weak that, and that God has failed somehow, that he's, uh, that, that he's lost and that man has somehow won against God by being able to kill, uh, you know, God's, um, God's anointed uh, Messiah. And these, I thought, were two, were two misconceptions about the death and the resurrection of Jesus that, that led me to think about what is the significance of this weekend in the Christian calendar and why is it so important for us as, as Christians and why is it the central axis of our faith? Uh, the thought that came to me was it's a little bit like the, the sound barrier, you know. There, there was a point in time when nobody thought you were able to break the sound barrier. It was like this impossible thing. You could go so fast... But, but no further. You couldn't go faster than that. And then at a certain point, somebody broke it. They were the first person to actually break through the sound barrier. And when they did, it changed everything. It's like the paradigm for everything we understood about reality changed at that moment that somebody crossed the threshold. They crossed through a barrier. They, they broke it. And in fact, when you break the sound barrier, you get a sonic boom. It's quite a dramatic thing that happens there. But now, we all take for granted that it's possible to, cre- to break the sound barrier. Nobody sees it as this, uh, this, this limitation, this restriction that's on, that's on us anymore. And that's a little bit like, like Jesus when, when he dies and he, and he rises again. You see, if Jesus doesn't die, it means that there's a place that God doesn't go. There's a place that, that it's maybe, you, you might say, it's possible to be separated from God by death because we don't see God in death. We don't see him go there. We see God kind of above death. We see him uh, kind of on his cloud, you know, on his throne, you know, as this awesome supreme being. But we don't see him down in the very depth of the abyss. We don't see him right down in the dirt, in the, in the darkness. We don't see him go there. So we might still have this place of fear where, where we could say, well, the, if you go to death, then God can't reach you. His love can't reach you. His goodness can't reach you because death is final. You can't ever, you can't ever get out of it. So if God, if God doesn't go down into, into death, then there's a place that we, we might go. In fact, we all will go where we might say it's a hopeless place. 
But because Jesus himself is fully God and fully man goes down into death, then we know that he touches the very depth of human suffering, the very depth of human, uh, human difficulty. There is no place that is too low, that is too debased, too degraded, or too shamed, or too dishonored that Jesus doesn't go to in order to reach us. But then he doesn't just stay there, he rises from the dead. And there's this parable that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus where he, he talks about like a divide, an uncrossable gulf uh, in, in the grave, in death. And it's talked about as this is, it's impossible for anybody to cross over. Uh, to, it's like to cross through this barrier. But this is exactly what Jesus did. And uh, yesterday, um, on Holy Saturday, in, in the, uh, uh, the, the, the traditional church calendar, it's the day when we celebrate what we call the harrowing of hell. It's uh, the, the time when Jesus breaks into the grave, he breaks into Sheol, into Hades, and he liberates the people who are, who are trapped in, in this unbre- behind this unbreakable barrier that we call death. And this is the moment where, where Jesus, he, he grabs and, and it's, it says that he, the scripture says that Jesus takes captivity captive. He takes the captives who have been held captive by death and he takes them with them, with him and he breaks open through that barrier and he rises from the dead today on Resurrection Sunday. But what does that mean for, for us now? Well, Imagine it's this thing like the, the sound barrier. If you, if you kind of know in your heart, nobody could ever cross the sound barrier. Well, when you see somebody finally has crossed that barrier, when you see it, it does something to you. If you really recognize, if it really gets into your heart, wow, somebody's crossed the barrier, then that paradigm shift that's taken place outside, externally, actually happens inside. It happens to you internally. Something inside you takes on board this new information, this new revelation. Oh, the sound barrier is not impossible to cross. Somebody has crossed that sound barrier. It's no longer this hopeless, unbreakable thing. Someone's actually done it. And then if you wanted to actually cross the sound barrier yourself, then the smart thing to do would be to go and speak to the person who actually did it and say to them, hey, how did you cross the sound barrier? I'd like to do that too. Well, the amazing thing about the Christian message and the centrality of the resurrection to the Christian message is when you go to Jesus and say, hey, I'd like to know about the the breaking of that sound barrier, the breaking of the barrier of death. Jesus doesn't say to you, here's the technique to do it. He says to you, listen, take a seat in, in, in the passenger side of my supersonic car. You take a seat here while I drive you in in this luxury limo through the barrier of death right into that place of, of resurrection as well. And so when we we see Jesus rising from the dead, we see him gathering up those who are trapped and held captive to death. That also includes us, even though we haven't died. If if you're listening to this message, I assume you're alive and you're not a ghost or something listening through the kind of uh, the spooky Facebook life. You're you're alive right now, but all of us, uh, we know that there's this inevitability that that fundamentally, sooner or later, we're going to die. But actually, when we see Jesus rising from the dead, we don't just see those people who were dead rising with him. We see ourselves rising with him as well. Because Jesus has united himself with us in his humanity. And he's united us with God in his divinity. And that means that the indestructibility of the resurrection life of Jesus belongs to us. And that's what needs to register in our hearts. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit comes and causes this reality to register in our hearts, to register in our spirits. And when we get it, it's like we cross over. We cross over in our, in, internally we cross over. 
It's like we, we know we've already been raised from the dead because Christ already rose 2,000 years ago. And in seeing that resurrection, we see our own resurrection as well. Well, once that takes root, once that reality takes root in our hearts, this is actually the thing that connects us to all the realities of heaven. Because suddenly it's like this world of possibilities opens up. Now that the sound barrier has been broken, this world of possibilities opens up. All these things we thought were impossible, actually we now see are possible. Healings are possible. Miracles are possible. Resurrections are possible. Transformation of society is possible. The regeneration of the whole of creation is now possible because we've seen it. We've seen somebody who actually did it, and that person is Jesus Christ, and he is real, and he is alive today, and we can speak with him, and we can commune with him today, even if we're under some kind of uh, crazy house arrest. So I've got, I've got two things I want, I want to finish by reading to you. I've, I've got here on my, uh, uh, on my, um, my uh, Galaxy phone a couple of quotes, uh, one short one and, and one a little bit longer, that I think really speak into this for us. And then, then I'm going to pray uh, for us to finish. One is just a, a short quote by a guy called St. Augustine, who's one of the, uh, the kind of uh, luminaries of Christian thinking in, um, uh, in the first few hundred years of uh, after uh, Christ rose from the dead. And he was this great scholar. He read all these different philosophies and all these different religions, and he, he knew about all these different things. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking particularly here about my Buddhist friend and, and my Muslim friend. And, and I'm, I was thinking about how, you know, in, in, there, there are lots of things that are very uh, beautiful, lots of great and amazing sayings and amazing wisdom that have come from all kinds of different religious teachers from all kinds of different traditions around the world. And, and I have to say that all truth is God's truth. I really do believe that. And, uh, and I have enjoyed reading and studying some of those things. But there's this quote from St. Augustine that really resonates with me when thinking about all these different philosophies and religions and ideas. And, and he says this, He says, I have read in Plato and Cicero sayings that are wise and very beautiful, but I have never read in either of them, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And here Augustine is quoting Jesus Christ when he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says, you can look at all these different philosophies, all these different religions, all these different teachers. They have many wise and beautiful sayings. But Jesus Christ says, come to me if you're burdened, if you're tired, if you're stressed, if you're afraid. Come to me and I will give you rest. And there is rest that is coming from Jesus to you today. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're not sure, whether you're not a Christian, whatever position you're coming from, it doesn't matter. Jesus is speaking rest to you today. He is releasing rest to you by his spirit to lift off the heavy burdens, the heavy yokes. And you know, for for many of us, maybe you've got a heavy burden because you've been watching the news and you've been worried and stressed out about what's happening in our society or what's happening in the world. That's a big source of heavy burdens and difficult uh, difficult pressures, pressures and stresses on us. Well, Jesus is alive and he can lift that from you right now. And that's what the resurrection does. The resurrection is him lifting off all the fear of death and all the things that are associated with it uh, from us. That, that was just one quick, quick, quick quote. And one final one I, I, I want to give you, which is slightly longer, also from another luminary called uh, Athanasius of Alexandria. Great... Uh, Again, great Christian mystic and theologian. And he's talking about this idea of if Jesus has risen from the dead, how do we know that that's true? How do we know that it's true that he's died and he's risen? 
And he's, he's writing this argument to people uh, who have questions about it. And he's trying to say to them, look, when you really see that Jesus has conquered death, when you see that he's destroyed it, and when you, you, you find that reality awakens inside of you, then the natural thing that happens is you realize that Jesus is, is the champion who's already destroyed death. He's living in you now. What is the natural consequence of that? One of the natural consequences is you no longer fear death. All fear evaporates away from your life. And I just want, was thinking about this as I was preparing. Again, I thought I would just share you a couple of lines from, uh, from Athanasius uh, here. You can, if you're interested in this, you can go and read it for yourself. It's a, a short book that he wrote called On the Incarnation of the Word of God. And you can get it for free. And uh, it's written by Athanasius. It's spelt the way it sounds. <laughs> okay. um, so he, here it's uh, from uh, section 27. He says, A very strong proof of this destruction of death... And its conquest by the cross is supplied by a present fact, namely this. All the disciples of Christ despise death. They take the offensive against it instead of fearing it. By the sign of the cross and by faith in Christ, they trample on it as on something dead. Before the divine sojourn of the Savior, even the holiest men were afraid of death and mourned the dead as those who perish. But now that the Savior has raised his body, death is no longer terrible. But all those who believe in Christ tread it underfoot as nothing and prefer to die rather than to deny their faith in Christ, knowing full well that when they die, they do not perish, but live indeed and become incorruptible through the resurrection. But that devil who of old wickedly exalted in death, now that the pains of death are loosed, he alone it is who remains truly dead. So Athanasius had this experience, and he said the Christian believers have this experience of this liberation from the, from the fear of death. And this is what we celebrate today in, in the resurrection. That as we've seen Christ has crossed that sound barrier, so in our hearts he's also crossed that barrier. And we, we not only see the hope of resurrection for ourselves, but also for the resurrection and the renewal of the entire universe. And that's the Christian hope that we're looking forward to. And because Jesus has already crossed that barrier, we know that he's coming again. And when he comes again, we're going to see the culmination and the fulfillment of this. When all wrongs are put right, all injustices are, 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 are settled, and Christ comes as the savior of the whole of the universe. Uh, and, and we'll see the resurrection of the, of the whole universe. And that's what we live in, in the Christian hope. So I just want to finish by praying for you, if, if that's all right. Uh, wherever, you, wherever you are, however you're feeling, wh- wherever you're coming from, whatever questions you may have about this. And by the way, do please throw up the comments. And we'll be more than happy to kind of continue to chat over Facebook about any of these things uh, if you want to. But I just want to pray now. And Father, I want to thank you that t- today is Resurrection Sunday. It's the holiest day in the Christian calendar, the most exciting and joyful day in the Christian calendar, because it's in this day we see Jesus, fully man and fully God, destroying and defeating the very ultimate enemy, death. And Father, I pray now that this revelation would come to every heart, to every mind, to every soul of everyone who is listening in to this broadcast, that the, the, the penny would drop, that because Jesus has done this, then this is the reality for us as well, that in the midst of all of the suffering and difficulty, we can see you, Jesus. We can see you present with us, that you're sitting right next to us on the sofa, you're sitting right next to us on the bed or wherever it is, in the garden, wherever we happen to be right now listening to this, that you are right there and we can contact 
contact you and we can know you and we can, uh, we can come to you and you can lift those burdens off. So right now I pray for anyone who's experiencing that stress or that heaviness, that that burden and that difficult yoke would come off right now. And Father, for anyone who doesn't know you or who's unsure, who's asking, for que- asking questions about, uh, is this all true? Is it all real? I pray that you would come and reveal yourself to them. Reveal yourself to them in the way that only you know how, because you know exactly what they need, exactly what they need to hear. Would you come and show them how loved they are? Show them how remembered they are by you. And I pray, Father, that you would bring them into the new life that, that you, uh, you so excitedly long for them to have, in Jesus' name. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful Easter Sunday, and hopefully we'll see you again before too long. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. That was brilliant. We're doing this strange thing, me and Paul, of keeping two or three metres distance, so hence the little lag time. But um, I was thinking I'd love to just carry on praying, following on from what Paul was praying there, um, for, our, for our city, for our nation, for our world at this time. You know, um, whilst Boris Johnson was in intensive care, my prayer for him was that he would recover, but that actually in the midst of his of his suffering, and, 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 you know, we know he came quite close to death, didn't he? Um, that actually there would be a, a, a fresh revelation of God for him, and that he would realise the grace, the goodness of God in a, in a new way. And, um, and I think that's what we see, isn't it, throughout the Bible. We see people um, uh, come to a place of brokenness and, and, and humility, and then they call out to God, and they, and they encounter God there, because God's, God's greatness and God's mercy, uh, as Paul was talking about. And um, was, I just noticed in one of the newspaper headlines this morning, it talked about, uh, there's a mention that the cabinet uh, actually, were, you know, when it was looking really desperate with Boris Johnson's life, the cabinet as a group prayed. And um, I, I thought it was wonderful to hear the cabinet being so moved to, um, to turn to God in this time. And so, um, could we just pray together for, 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 for the city, Bristol, for the nation, the uh, UK, for the, for the world, that during this time of extreme trial, people um, call out to God and, 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 and discover this amazing resurrection power. I mean, this news is, uh, the, the tension I always feel is it's such good news, the resurrection of Jesus and the life of following Jesus, it's such good news, but I find it difficult to share it. <laughs> I find it difficult to explain it. And um, let's pray. Lord, we just want to lift up again um, the world that we live in. And in this particular time, the city of Bristol, our neighbours, our friends, our family, um, the people around us in the country, people who are suffering in hospital, uh, people who are suffering with jobs, um, being lost and with um, separation uh, here and around the world. And, and these things are, these, these things are, are, are all horrific. Um, and, we, and we pray that despite those circumstances, and actually through those circumstances, people discover your grace. They discover the resurrection of Jesus, the power, the presence, the reality of Jesus. We pray for a, for a move of God um, in our city, in our nation, around the world, that people, that we're, that we're all woken up to, 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 the, to the reality of who you are and what that means for our life. We pray you have mercy on us and, um, and we just humbly say that we need you. This is a time, Lord, that we need you. We really recognise that you know, we, can't, we can't solve this on our own. We can do many things, but we need you. So we call out to you on behalf, again, of our, of our city, of our nation, of our world. May your kingdom come in our lives and in the lives of people who, um, who we know and love and people all around us. Amen. Great, so we're going to finish there, um, but we're going to do, a, we're going to carry on. We're going to, um, we've got a sort of a, a church family, um, uh, what did Charlie call it? Church family challenge, Hope family challenge. We're going to do pick up on, on Zoom now or just after half past 11. So if you want to log on to that on Zoom, um, where you are as well, then take a little lavatorial break and, uh, and then join us there. That should be really fun. 
And the link, hopefully, and the password should be coming up in the comments feed here in this Facebook Live. And also in our fortnightly email. We had an email came out. We recognized an email out on, on Thursday, I think it was. And that, the details are in there as well. So again, as Paul said, um, you know, if you're, if you're nearer to Hope, or uh, we'd love to keep connecting with you. Uh, it's a different. We can't sort of shake your hand and say hi and give you a croissant you know, in the building. But we'd love to try and work out a, a virtual way of doing that. So if you want to be, if you want to be in touch with us here... Um, we, we have a fortnightly email that sends out our news and our vision and where we're going. And, uh, and so, we'd, yeah, we'd, we'd, we really would welcome anyone who's new and looking to get involved. Uh, we'd love to connect with you as well. Great. So see some of you on Zoom shortly. And uh, otherwise, uh, have a good day.